Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. Today is September the 14th and I'm looking outside. It's raining right now. Everything is green. I guess you call it a typical September day in South Florida, at least on the West Coast. So I'm glad you're here. And you know, when it comes to businesses that have a lot of moving parts to them, I believe that those are the kinds of businesses that most people gravitate to, not because they want to manage a whole bunch of things, but simply because they believe that in order to be successful, they have to have all of these different components bolted onto their business. Most people, I think, assume that success kind of looks like this. You have a full-time team of people working for you. You have an ad budget into the thousands of dollars each and every month. In other words, you have a lot of moving parts to that business. It's not simple. It's not straightforward. It's anything but. And I used to think that way. There was a time in my own business life when my business was just that. It had a whole bunch of moving parts. I had this very high overhead. As a result, I was I had a business-focused mindset. I was thinking about business, work, marketing, advertising, products, all of that, 24 hours a day, more or less. And it was so difficult to mentally disconnect from all of that, to have a life outside of the business. I brought work into everything I was doing. When I say work, I'm talking about work-related topics, challenges, issues. Business was all I ever talked about, and that most definitely had a negative effect on other parts of my life. Now, at the time, I told myself, look, you have to make some sacrifices, and that is true if you want to succeed in business, that you have to focus, that you have to go through all of these things. And it's not that I'm countering what might be considered to be conventional wisdom. When you think about it, you spend a portion of your life in the classroom, and you spend that time learning. And why do you learn? Well, you, hopefully you're taking that information and you're using it to your advantage. All the time that you invest in learning how to do something should pay off. In other words, there's a return for that effort that you're putting in. But all too often in the business world, we see people putting in a tremendous effort and getting very little back as far as a return on all of those efforts. So yes, maybe you have to invest more time. Maybe you do have to make some sacrifices on the front end. But the idea here is that you finally establish something. In the beginning, you take care of the business that at the end ends up taking care of you. Just a little um, quick way of looking at it from the 30,000 foot view. But when we get right down into the day-to-day runnings of the business, the more complex the business is today, the more complex it's probably going to continue to be going forward. And something... I understand complexity may have its place in certain situations. If you have an offline business, maybe you have a lot of moving parts and maybe each of those parts are necessary. If you have an online one, however, that's just not the case. Having a lot of moving parts in order to have an online, a successful online business, it's just not necessary. And this is great news for all of the solopreneurs out there who are coming into the online business space today. And those, even the veterans that are here working harder than they need to be, uh, it's great news for all of us. 
Because when you look at life in general, you want to have relationships outside of the business world too. I mean, relationships inside the business world are great, don't get me wrong, but isn't it great to have time for family and people who aren't part of your business life? Isn't it nice to be able to disconnect from your business world and to enter into their world? I'm talking about the world of family or your kids or your nieces and nephews and to be able to fully engage with them without having part of your mind always occupied by business-related things. So, you know, I've seen people get so caught up in their business lives, it gets to the point where the only people they can relate to anymore are other business owners just like themselves. And thankfully, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have the best of both worlds. You, you can succeed in the business world, and you can have strong relationships with family and friends outside of that world. Today's episode is brought to you by OneToManySystem.com. This is a complete evergreen strategy that can completely transform your business by automating the things that up until now may have required a lot of ongoing time, effort, and attention. It's true. I started out this way, having to put a lot of time and focus into the things that I was doing, and then I learned gradually along the way that there was a better way. Having the right strategy in place means that you can get the right systems that work alongside of that strategy and the right automation in place. And those are the things that transform a business. The problem is that most of the systems that people buy into today, they don't give you the freedom to adjust for the specifics of your own business. And this does. Most of the systems that are scalable also involve, as I said before, a lot of moving parts and they can add a significant cost to your business. And again, this doesn't. This is what I've been teaching my clients almost for two years now. Everything you need to know to get started is covered at one-to-many-system.com. If you haven't already done so, go ahead, check it out. If you stay all the way to the end, it's almost an hour. There is a free time-limited offer available to those who are interested to take the next step. Okay, so I'm not sure what I'm going to entitle this podcast ultimately, but what I want to talk to you about today is getting unstuck, but doing so using what you already have. I'm talking about focusing and targeting your resources in such a way that you accomplish more using what you already have instead of looking to things that you don't have. I know so many times it's easy when you get stuck in a situation and you ask yourself the question, what do I need to get out of this situation? We can apply this to a struggling business. And usually the, the first things we come up with is the need to acquire something that we currently don't have. Instead of using the resources we already have to produce a result, we're looking for maybe resources that are just outside of our reach. Now, I first learned this principle a while back from a guy named John Kamuda. And I just looked him up online before doing this, hitting the record button today, but I don't have the window open. He's been teaching financial courses for years. He's an expert on getting out of debt and building wealth and that kind of thing. And I want to explain to you the basic premise of his program because I used it myself when I was in my 20s and I had acquired quite a bit of debt and needed to get out of it. So here's how it works. Let's say that you're struggling to make ends meet. You get a credit card. You start charging things. Uh, maybe you start charging other things because you know, travel and entertainment, so to speak. You go out for dinner, you put on a credit card, you go out and have a few drinks with some friends, you put on a credit card, 
And the next thing you know, you're used to using this credit card and you have a balance on it all the time. And then maybe you get another credit card that has a lower balance. And before you know it, well, people wind up with several credit cards. Myself, I had four different credit cards. And after a while, I discovered that, well, I have this debt, whatever the number happens to be, and I'm paying a little bit on every card every month when those bills come in, but I'm never paying them off. I'm never paying the balances down. And I pay a little bit extra because, you know, they add financing charges. And after a while, depending on the um, the total amount on your card, those financing charges become like quicksand and you're sinking further and further into debt. And so when I learned John's system, my approach was to basically take the card that had the highest interest on it and then pay that card down first. And that happened to be the largest card because those those were the cards that it just seemed like two, three years down the line and that balance wasn't really moving much. I'd knock it down a little bit and then it would come right back up again. And it just felt like this vicious circle. A lot of people today are in a similar place in their experience where they can't afford to pay for things with cash. They pay for them on credit. I'm not saying that credit doesn't have its place and paying for things over time doesn't have its place. I mean, that's how people usually buy the home, their homes. They don't pay for them in cash or their vehicles. They don't pay for them in cash. They pay them over time. And eventually, of course, the idea is that you get to a place where you're capable of paying for everything in cash if you wanted to. Or that if you're going to take out a loan, you're going to pay it off before any significant charges are added on top of that balance. So um, the, that's the principle that I learned originally when I was struggling with my own credit card debt was to pay the one that had the highest principle first. But then interestingly enough, my friend sends me a copy of this course he had gone to a place where he was near bankruptcy and he gave me this course and I thought, this is such an excellent course on building wealth. I'm not going to get into all of it in this session, in this podcast today, but I just want to tell you the basics of it, of how it worked. How it worked was instead of paying down the credit card that had the highest interest rate on it, you started paying the credit card that had the least amount on it. So let's say you had four credit cards and you had debt on each credit card. Credit card number one, let's say, had $1,000. Credit card number two had $2,000. Credit card number three had $3,000. And credit card number four had $8,000. So what would happen is if you paid a little bit of extra on all of those cards, all things being equal, if you didn't make more money, then you would have that debt for a really long time because all you're ever doing is paying a little bit down on each of them, and then the finance charges get added on for another month, and you're always wrestling with those balances. So what John suggested was to take all of the extra that you were paying on all of the other three cards and lump it on the card that had the lowest balance. So in this illustration, that would be our $1,000 card. So maybe we're paying 50 extra dollars or 25 extra dollars on cards two, three, and four, we would take that $25, maybe from each one, or $50, whatever it is, and we would add that total amount to card number one, which had the lowest balance. The idea here is that the card with the lowest balance is the card you're able to pay off the fastest. And then you're able to take the money that's 
freed up from not having to pay card number one anymore and put that total amount down on card number two until card number two is paid off. So once you have card number one paid off, you pay down card number two that same way. You don't pay any extra on card number three or card number four. And then by the time cards three and four or card number two and three are paid off, then you have all of this excess money to target on the last and the biggest card. Now, when I did this myself, I forgot how much debt that I had. I forgot what the number happened to be. Uh, but this was back in, this is a while back. This is probably early, very early 1990s. 93, 94, maybe even. And what happened is if you have like a, a big debt on card number four, then just paying the minimum payment while you're freeing up all of the other monies to put down to get card number one out of the way. And understand this would work the same way whether you have four cards, six cards, three cards, it doesn't matter. The idea is to pay off the one with the lowest balance. And that way you can free up all of those resources to pay the card number two that had the next highest balance. So you, you pay them off from the lowest balance. When you get to the highest balance, you have all of the resources freed up so you can pay that thing off pretty fast. So, I mean, you don't have to be a math genius to do the math. And believe it or not, I, there's not a person that I know who's followed through on this who hasn't paid off using what they already have, their debt, in a reasonable amount of time. We're talking about paying off quite a bit of money within the next 12 to 24 months and suddenly being debt-free. And the idea was that after you pay that off, whether it took you two or three years, you would continue to pay that money, not to the credit cards, whatever that was that you paid the final card off with, whatever that monthly payment was, that would be your wealth building money. That would be the money that would be focused on money duplicating itself, whether you're going to eventually use it to buy property or invest in a house or invest in something else, then you're building wealth for yourself going forward. So it is very difficult to be disciplined, I have to tell you. But having gone through this process myself, I realize that this can be applied to just about anything. So for example, a lot of you who are in the business space or solopreneurs, you're, you have several projects going on at the same time. And then what you do is you try to put a little bit of extra time into all of these different projects and none of them ever seem to get done. And it's the same principle here because with paying off credit cards, we're talking about focusing and targeting financial resources to pay off the smallest debt first. And then to take all of those resources that were used to pay off the smallest debt and retarget them to the second largest debt until you finally get to the largest debt. And then you have 100% of your available resources targeted at getting that off of your plate. So when we're talking about productivity, that principle remains the same. A lot of people have projects that are all different stages of completion. We're talking about solopreneurs now, and it's understandable why. So maybe you had an idea of starting a podcast and you have maybe some some of it done. Maybe you have a recording or two or maybe you bought a microphone and you're having the artwork developed for the the album cover art, you know, for the podcast and you've done some of that, but then you kind of put on the brakes because you have some client projects that you're doing. 
And then somebody comes along and says they have an idea for another project and you like the way that sounds. And so you start putting some of your time towards that. And just like you have financial resources that are spread out over several projects, none of them which seem to get paid off on the financial side, but on the project side, you have things that need your time, your attention, and your focus. And those resources, your time, your attention, and your focus are spread out among too many projects. So if we use this, if we use this principle to make progress in our business lives, what would we do? Well, what we would do is we would get the projects that are the nearest to completion done and off our plates completely. Why? Because then we wouldn't have on the back of our minds that we still have that project that needs to be completed. And I'm taking this also, this advice that I'm giving you right now, and I'm looking at what I have here sitting on my desk right now. And one of the things was a project that somebody gave me a few weeks ago. It doesn't have to be done right away. But it does have to be more or less completed within the next few weeks. And the fact that it's not done and sitting here cuts into my focus. Because on one side, I have several other projects that I'm really looking forward to completing. And each of those projects are at different stages of completion. But knowing I have this other project sitting here for a local client that I haven't really gotten into yet, that I kind of sort of started, the fact that that's not completed is actually taking away focus from the things that I want to do. How long will it take me to complete this project? I would say maybe one or two hours. Do I really feel like doing it? No. But I know that if I put in the right music mix, I have M I probably have about three or 400 MP3 files of the different types of music that I listen to, some of it's motivating, some, some of it is relaxing. I know if I put this on and I focus on it that I can get this project maybe on the short end done in an hour. Maybe if it takes me a little longer, I drag maybe two hours. But I know all things being equal tonight, by the time I sit down and have dinner, that will be done. And it will no longer be sitting here looking at me on this desk saying, hey, you know, I need to be done while I'm trying to focus on another project. Ultimately, the goal here is to take control or in some cases regain control of your time because it's truly one of your most valuable assets. And I have to admit personally, I'm not one for scheduling a lot of things. Sometimes I just kind of put it on the mental back burner. But even so, and even with things I do from one month to the next, I find that many things get put off to the very last minute because generally speaking, I like to keep my calendar as wide open as possible. I hate looking at a calendar and seeing that, oh, I have to be here on this day and have to be here on another day. And I know for many of you that's normal, but for me, this is something that I've been building towards for years of being in business where I'll have more time on my hands to do the things that I want to do. And that's the idea of maturing a business. So in the beginning years, you take care of the business that in the later years takes care of you. But all of that said, putting things off to the last minute, whether you intend to do it or not, creates a lot of stress that you wouldn't have if you got those things out of the way right up front. So I think there is something to maybe just tackling the projects that you really don't want to do, that don't excite you, and get those things out of the way in, right in the beginning of every month rather than wait until you're halfway or three-quarters of the way through. And then there's that, that time element that's hanging over your head. Now, there's also studies out there that suggest that 
adults, which is just about everyone who use social media and cell phones frequently or have in the past today are experiencing symptoms of attention deficit disorder. It's not that they have attention deficit disorder, but, but what is that anyway? I mean, that's just a label that people put on a certain type of behavior. I think sometimes they don't know what causes certain things, so they just kind of label people. I mean, that's another story altogether, but there's a lot of people out there today that have trouble focusing and doing deeper work for any period of time. They also found, of course, that frequent social media use, frequent cell phone use leads to depression, anxiety, stress. So if you struggle with the inability to focus, even when everything is turned off, social media, email, your phone, it may take some time for you to develop that ability to focus again for an extended period of time. And I'm talking about beyond 10 or 15 minutes. You know, there's people that they can talk on video chat with someone for an hour. I know I can. Or go back and forth with messages in the inbox for an hour, but yet they can't focus on working on a project for more than 10 minutes without wanting to get up or move around. So if that's you, then that's worth maybe looking into a little bit more. I know that some people can't function unless they look at their cell phone or their email, and it's just a habit. Okay, back to the topic of freeing up resources. If you do have financial problems associated with credit card debt, you can free up your existing resources using the plan that I shared with you. And by the way, that plan has more to do with freeing up existing resources than it does going out to get additional resources. In other words, it is completely built around using what you already have. And if you're struggling with too many things on the to-do list, you can also apply this principle to get smaller projects done first or projects that you're putting off to the last minute, scheduling them sooner instead of later so they get done. And finally, you should have time after all of this to focus on the main thing or primary goal or direction you want to head in. And this brings up an interesting point about where you're headed. Recently, I heard about a group of uh, psychology academics, I guess you'd call them, who are arguing that you can only be as happy right here, right now, as the future you see for yourself. This is a break from how psychologists and people that study human behavior have thought about why we behave the way we do in the past. In the past, most believe that you and I are who we are right now today based on all of the things that happened to us in the past. Not all, but most. Obviously, our experiences do play a role in who we are, but their argument was more along the lines of who we want to be in the future. That's the motivator. The clearer the picture, the greater the impact it will have on you in the present. And that's what the conclusion was that they came to, that more and more people could get out of their ruts and fix a lot of their problems once they have a clear picture of what it is they want to do with their lives. And I'm applying this to the business category. We can talk about life in general and how people who have a vision have the motivation present tense. A vision, of course, is something that you're going to do in the future. It's not here yet, but that has a serious impact on what we do in the here and in the now. And if that's the case, then you can see why so many people are in such a negative place in their lives now because they really don't have anything that they're moving towards, something to motivate them. In the past, I've personally looked at it more or less like you only build what you can see yourself building. 
and people are motivated and they're driven by the view of their own future. So even if things are falling apart in the world in general, you can still see people who are motivated to do something because they have a view of a future that's different from the view a lot of people around them have. So what you can see in the future, I think most definitely provides you with some energy to start working towards that future right here, right now in the present. So then what happens if you can't see the future clearly? What happens if you don't know exactly what it is that you want to build? I would say that there are many people that fall into that category. I know I was in that category myself. So I don't think I have maybe the perfect answer for that question or that problem. But let me share with you what I think about that kind of challenge. If you don't know exactly what you want, then go ahead and pick something that you think you might enjoy. Now, that may be like a whole step down from, in the business context, the perfect business for you. If you don't know what the perfect business is for you, then go ahead and pick something that you think you might enjoy. That's a whole lot easier than waiting till you see something that is quote-unquote perfect. Because I believe that if you take any kind of action, that experience that comes with taking action will help you gather some of the missing pieces to the puzzle. I know that if I go back in the past and I look at where I was compared to where I am today and I took the two versions of myself and put them side by side, the younger version wouldn't even know the right questions to ask. And the younger version, now I'm going back 20 years, that version of me wouldn't even been able to ask the right questions because everything that we do is in the context of where we are and where we want to be. But sometimes we don't know until we have some more experiences. We think we might like something, but then when we get in the middle of it, we think, oh, well, you know, this wasn't exactly what I thought it was. So we adjust what it is that we're doing. But until we take that initial action, until we have some experiences, we don't have enough information to make better decisions. So we may start out wanting to go from point A to point B. But when we get to point B, we realize that, well, where I really want to be is point G. And so then we adjust our journey and then we keep on going on. You know, some people can tell you, I've said this in the past without hesitation, what the perfect business looks like for them, what the perfect future looks like for them, and others can't. For those who can't, I think that sometimes better than what you currently have is just as good as quote unquote perfect for now. Okay, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the back episodes can be found there as well. As always, your sharing of this podcast is greatly appreciated. Whether you share the link to a specific episode or the general podcast, it really does help me reach people who would otherwise be very difficult to reach. So thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later. 